Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. Tell you what, well, it is Easter Sunday, but I'm glad to be with you guys tonight. Is anybody ready for the word tonight? Yeah. Fantastic. We have been in a series right now called Entertainer. Somebody said Entertainer. I like it. You guys said it way better than I did. Entertainer, that's right. We've been in a series called Entertainer, and over the last number of weeks, we have been looking at things in this world and in this life that we as Jesus followers, we as sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we have absolutely no business entertaining any of these thoughts, any of these ideas, any of these notions that are going on in our world today. We don't entertain any of those things. The only thing worthy of any entertainment in our minds and in our lives and in our spirits and in our marriages and in our seasons that we find ourselves in is Jesus Christ. Christ going to the cross. Amen. I mean, seriously, we have been having a look at all of these things. And I got to tell you, church, we have got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. We don't have, we don't have just our will or our dreams. We have got God's will and we have got God's dreams. Come on, somebody. Man, tonight we are going to wrap up this series because next week we got our good friends, Jason and Marie from Stavanger, Norway, coming through and they're going to be incredible. But tonight we are wrapping up Entertainer. Y'all ready for this? Who's taking notes tonight? Six of us. All right, I'm going to let St. Peter know when we get to the gates. Hey, these guys, they didn't take notes. You need to check that before they get in. But no, if you're taking notes tonight, make sure you write this down. The title of the message is this. Y'all ready? Entertainer, week three, Easter 2K19, something like that. Easter 2, year 2, takeover. I got a million of them. Just tell me to stop. Thank you. But the title of the message tonight is Marveled. Marveled. And if you know me tonight, you were asking some questions. When you write that down, would you just turn to your neighbor and ask him if they're seeing Avengers next week? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But would you turn and ask your neighbor, would you ask them if they have a marveled faith tonight? I promise it's going to make sense. Come on. It's going to be good. And yes, I had to check. I was like, hey, is marveled actually proper grammar? It is. So just so you know, I did double check on that. I run into that from time to time. But tonight, if you've got your Bibles, who's got a Bible in the house? Who's got a Bible app? Would you wave it in the air like you just do care if you've got a Bible in the house? Oh, I see some leatherbacks in the place tonight. All right, I love it. Um, what's that? Leatherback. Oh, yeah. Coming out of Luke. 24, 1 through 12. You're probably familiar with this. If you're not tonight, no worries. This is going to change your life. But Luke 24, 1 through 12. Y'all ready? But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Come on. Verse 3. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. They were angels. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. But 
foot has risen. Come on, somebody. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, somebody say third day. He must be on third day. He will rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them, who doesn't get a name apparently, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Somebody say, but Peter. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Come on. Do you all mind if we pray before we go any further? Fantastic. Jesus, I just thank you so much for today. Lord, we believe right now that we are not in this place by accident or by happenstance or by chance right now, Jesus. We believe that you are the God who still orders our steps. You are still the light into our path, God, and you still made a plan for every single person that is in this house to be in this house tonight, God. So with that perfect plan and that good and pleasing will, Jesus, we ask right now that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our ears, that you open up our minds, God. We're in here tonight. None of our souls are perfect. None of us are in the best place that we could possibly be, Jesus. There is work to be done on the inside of all of us tonight. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, right now, you would begin to remind us what this day is about. You begin to remind our souls, remind our spirits right now, Holy Spirit, what it is to be a Jesus follower, to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God. So we just thank you for everything that you're going to do in and through this place. In Jesus' mighty name, Faithful Church said. Amen. Amen. All right. Marveled. More than just my favorite comic book company, Marveled. If you know anything about the word marveled, marveled actually means to be awestruck, to be astonished, to be blown away by something that you've either seen, felt, or heard. And I love that. I love that it says Peter went home running, marveled at what he had seen. And so I wonder... As we're in this entertainer series, and we talked about the thoughts and the notions week one, we talked about how um, I used a personal example about how when I was in a low place and I, and I was dealing with some personal stuff in my personal life with my wife and everything else that was going on around us, and I got a low place and the devil got in my head and he started telling me all of these lies about myself and about our future and about what things could look like if we took this avenue or this avenue or we just ended, or I just ended my life entirely. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty for real to get started like that on Easter Sunday. But if you weren't with us, you should check out the podcast. But I promise it was a good ending. But it was wild. And we were entertaining. I was entertaining a conversation between the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, the truth that I know based off the Word of God. The sheep know His voice. His Word says, I knew what the Holy Spirit was leading me to do, but I engaged in a 30-minute conversation with the kingdom of darkness. And then week two, we had Dave talk about our will versus God's will for our life and how incredible that is and how incredible that Jesus is always apparent. He is always here. And if we would just get out of his way and we would make a doorway into it, Jesus would be able to show off and show up in people's lives in and through us. It was incredible. And so when I think about being an entertainer, when we're entertaining these thoughts, I think about the world marveled. And I love this because Peter went home marveling at what he had seen. He didn't even see Jesus back out the tomb yet. He didn't even see the hands and the scars on those hands of Jesus yet. He hasn't even gone down the Emmaus Road. None of those things have happened yet. He simply looked in a tomb that had a stone rolled away. And he was marveled that the linens were 
which I do love, by the way. I love it. There is, there is an argument that cleanliness is next to holiness. In the Bible, finally you can see it. It's when Jesus decides to make his bed before he goes. My wife is like, be more like Jesus, Matt. But here it is, and, and Peter is marveled. But I wonder in our lives, what are some other things that we are marveled at? What are some other things in our lives that, that astonish us, that blow us away? There are things in our lives that we either get so excited about that it absolutely consumes us, or we get so scared of that it actually petrifies us. What are some things in our lives that marvel us? Because here is Peter, and he sees the living king, the guy that he followed. But here's the thing about Peter. Every time we have an Easter service, we're going to talk about this passage of Scripture. We're going to see what Jesus did and how he came back, defeated hell, sin, death, and the grave. Come on, somebody. He did it. He kicked the devil in the teeth, took back the keys to eternity. We're going to talk about it, absolutely. But there's all these different vantage points that we could have a view from. And I love that Peter's is the one that we're going to go with, uh, with this year and tonight because... It's a very unique point of view because I don't know about you, and you'll probably agree with this if we've ever spent any amount of time together, but I'm a lot like Peter. And I, I kind of feel like that's just a human condition. Some of you, my boy Luke back here is like, yeah, you are. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Come on. And, 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 I have, and, and I feel like for us, the humans, especially as Jesus followers, we're a lot like Peter because Peter's awesome. Peter's the first one that he gets a revelation of Jesus. He's like, yeah, I'm dropping my nets. And I'm going. We're chasing after him. Whatever you want to do, you want to walk around in some in some uh, gladiator sandals and just get dirty and spit in people's eyes and heal them. Like, let's go. Like, when we first get that revelation of Jesus, who's with me? When we got that first revelation of Jesus, youth ministry or church or our marriage having God incorporated, these are things that we were excited about. These are things we were running with reckless abandonment towards. Anybody remember that? When we first came home to know Jesus. And so Peter's always stoked, and he's the first one, let's go. And I remember being a young guy, kind of like Peter, and, and I remember that whenever somebody would come at Jesus or felt like they were making fun of my faith or what I believed, man, I was like Jesus, I, or I was like Peter, I was looking for a sword. I wish somebody would talk about my Jesus one more time. Whew. Actually, there's a story behind that, but I can't tell you from the pulpit. But uh, it just wouldn't benefit any of us spiritually. Um, but I was pretty wild when it came to people defending and, and, and being uh, angry with me for being a Christian and, and feeling like I needed to defend our God, just like Peter did. Peter took off the ear of a guard when they were coming to take care of him. And Peter does all these things. And even though he dropped his nets and took on after Jesus and ran after him with everything he had, Peter, the same guy that Jesus said, hey, he cut off the guy's ear. You shouldn't have done that. Don't worry. I put it back on. I'm the God who fixes your mistakes. It's okay. He's like, but I'm going to build my church. Peter was the rock. Jesus was talking about. He says, upon you, Peter, the rock, Simon, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He told Peter that. But sometime later, over their three-year relationship and three years of discipleship and three years of beginning what would become the church and this idea that there's a God of the universe who loves you and I so much that he would put his only begotten son, the word that became flesh, that knew no sin, but became sin for us, and he hung him up on a rugged cross, beaten, broken, bruised, unrecognizable as a man for you and for me. And so in between those moments, Peter would also be the exact same guy that Jesus was like, one of you tonight will betray me. In fact, you, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me before the rooster crows, our Bible says, before the rooster hollers in the morning. You will deny me three times. 
And so here's Peter, and this is why I identify with him so much, because I feel like the Christian journey is that, right? We get really excited. We're really stoked for Jesus. We really have all this faith and this tenacity, and you can't tell us nothing kind of attitude about following God. Church is our number one priority. God and our marriage and our relationships. If we're single in the house, we were the ones getting the purity rings for the church bookstore, and we were saying, no, my sex life is for the Lord. All for it. I got one. Tattooed it. Needed the extra ink. Okay. Teacher Sunday, we're serious. I got it. It's okay. It's okay. But I feel like that's the that's the Christian journey, right? We get excited. We pursue him with everything we have. We make some mistakes along the way, think we need to defend God or any of those kind of things. And then there's the denial period. And I think denial for all of us looks a little bit different. I don't think for a lot of us in here tonight, maybe you would say that you found yourself in a position where you have been uh, forced to deny Jesus, where somebody was so angry with God or so angry with the church or so angry with you like they were towards, G- uh, towards Peter and said to you, do you know Jesus? I saw you at church. And he was like, nah, it wasn't me. I don't even know the guy. I, just, I heard about him. I don't know. I don't know. I came out on a colt. I don't know. He had a donkey. It was weird. I don't even know the guy. Peter denied him three times. I don't think for any of us we've ever had that moment in our lives where, where our life was threatened or our, or our livelihood was threatened for the kingdom of God. But I do think for some of us we have had some denial of God in our lives. I know for me that I deny God all the time when I choose to lie instead of tell the truth. Well, Matt, how's that? Because I deny what I know about him. I deny what he says about me. I deny what he calls me. For some of us tonight, it might be pornography. When we know what God says is best for our marriage, what God says is best for our future, what God says is best for our single seasons. We deny what we know about him, what his heart for the human story is, by what we do. And so I feel like Peter is a perfect representation of the Christian life. Maybe you're not loud and boisterous like myself, and maybe you don't identify with that part of Peter, but his life and what his trajectory looked like and the steps and the things and the mistakes that he made, I think can be found very easily in the lives of any son or daughter of the Most High God. But what I love is that though Peter has entertained thoughts contrary to the word of God, though you and I have entertained thoughts and notions and ideas contrary to what God's heart for the human story is, although you and I have looked on beyond what God has said to the best of our lives, we found ourselves in the middle of the storm. Instead of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, we've looked to the left and we've looked to the right and we've entertained the storm and we've entertained its majesty and its might more than the king of God. It says that Peter saw what God did in that tomb, that the tombstone was rolled away and that it laid empty, whitewashed walls, and he went home full of faith, running. And he was marveled. He was astonished. He was awestruck. He was shook by what had happened. And I don't know about you, and I don't know about your story and your history, what what mistakes and decisions that you have made. But friends, tonight, Easter is about the fact that no matter what your Christian journey has looked like up until this point, I find like Christians are the ones who beat ourselves up the most. People who don't know Jesus yet, they don't know that anything's wrong aside from that life has been difficult and there has been hardships, and they don't know that there's more on the other side of that. For the Christians tonight, though, for us... I feel like we're the ones that deal with shame. I feel like we're the ones that deal with guilt. I feel like we're the ones that 
James 5.16 was written for when he was saying, brothers and sisters, confess your sins to one another so that healing may come. Talk about your worries. Talk about your anxiety. Lay it down with your brothers and sisters in a safe place right now where you can walk out your journey of salvation knowing that everyone's going to love you, that they're not going to judge you, that they're going to pick you back up and they're going to dust you off and they're going to see you on your way to victory. So I think for us tonight, it is very easy to identify with Peter, but at the same time, no matter what your life has looked like, faith journey begun with Jesus or not, for you and me tonight, I love that this piece of scripture is here, and I love that no other apostle, no other disciple, nobody else who has been on this journey, the 11, the 10 other guys besides Peter, Judas happened, it's a thing, we can talk about it another time, it's bad. But there was 10 other disciples at the time, and they all did not believe what the women came home saying. They did not believe what Mary, the mother of James and Jesus said. They didn't, they didn't talk about it, and they didn't care what Mary Magdalene had to say, or this woman, Joanna, or the other unnamed woman. They didn't believe what they said. But Peter, with his litany of mistakes, no other disciple is the one doubting Thomas. We just know he's a doubting Thomas. We don't know a whole lot of moments that he was doubting about. We don't, we don't have that written out for us. But we do see Peter's mistakes and his disbelief and his decisions that are contrary to the word of God. We see them in loud display. Peter's the same one that ended up going back to fishing for a period of time because he went back to what was familiar. He went back to what he already knew. He went back to the familiar before he followed Jesus when life was just easy where he could cast out a rod he could go to work he could clock in nine to five and he didn't have to sacrifice for the kingdom of God he didn't have to get uncomfortable for people to get home and saved in the kingdom of God so I find myself thinking that we are Peter but at the end of the day on Easter Sunday the stone was rolled away Jesus himself he spent Saturday a silent Saturday where every apostle's head was held low but Jesus Christ was dipping low into hell kicking the devil in the teeth and he was taking back the keys to this dominion to this earth and to our future and not in just this world, but in the world to come. On Sunday, that stone was rolled away, and the one whose mistakes were on clear display for everyone to mock and everyone to cast off and everyone to say, that's just Peter. He's just boisterous. He's just bold. He's just a fool. He's just loud. He's that loud guy. He can't be trusted. He's swinging swords. He's being dumb. That's just Peter. Peter, the mistake-filled disciple like Matt McClure was able to see that and witness it and he was able to run home full of faith not just faith but marveled faith awestruck wondrous kind of faith does anybody want to have a marveled faith tonight I feel like it took me a second to get to that point tonight but Peter's all of us and I think we just look at these disciples as, as if they kind of had it all together. Or it's okay for them to make mistakes because this is the first time that Jesus had come on the scene. It's the first time that salvation had entered the earth and it was even an option. It was the first time. So we kind of give them the leniency and we say, you know, you needed some training wheels. And we kind of write off their journey and we kind of write off their situations. But friends, as Christians, we have to understand if you're in this place and you wouldn't identify as a Christian, you have to understand as well. This was the first time that salvation entered the world. But when we came to to know Jesus, that was the first time that salvation entered us. And so if we want to write off the disciples and saying they had training wheels, then we have to write off ourselves and say that we had training wheels as well. Or 
if we want to hold the disciples to a standard and understand that they had a life that was the human trajectory, the human journey of following after Jesus, and understand that they were responsible for the decisions that they had made, and at the end of the day, they could still have marvelous faith, and they could still be the ones that believe, and they could still be the ones where Peter right here was about to preach in 50 days after this in Galilee, and we were going to see Pentecost enter the world. 50 days. He went from denying Jesus three times to being the first preacher. To starting the local church. To seeing the Holy Spirit, the advocate come and invade this plane of reality so that you and I, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, now lives in us. Peter, the rock, was used to build that church. Come on. And that's you and that's me. Because I'd like to be able to write off my mistakes as training wheels if I was just figuring these things out. But the truth is full on. That when we make these mistakes and we make these decisions, we deny Jesus. We deny what we know about him. We deny our heart for him. But friends, I got to tell you tonight, there is good news because we can still have marvelous faith because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Man, we get to go to Jesus and just like Peter, we can see what he did. We can remind ourselves we're not there to see the empty tomb. We got the cross of Jesus. We have Easter, but daily we get to remind ourselves, no, 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 the stone was rolled away. Death was defeated. My shame, my guilt, it goes back to hell in Jesus' name. I am free. I am made clean. And today is a new day. This minute is a new minute. This hour is a new hour and I get to start fresh and clean in Jesus mighty name and preaching to anybody tonight so I want to take a look real quick I want to stroll over to Isaiah 53 y'all mind if we check out the Old Testament real quick it's going to be up on the big Bible don't worry about it 53 4 through 6 check this out he says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, you and I peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All of us are healed, always healed, always available. With his wounds, we are healed, and all... All of us, we, like sheep, have gone astray in our lives. We have turned, every one of us, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. I'm going to preach to anybody tonight. So why am I talking about that? Why do I bring up this piece of scripture? First thing you need to know is that this is, this is, what Isaiah, the prophet, has to say. This is a prophetic part. The entire thing is about Jesus, who he is, his character, the prophecies he would have to fulfill in order to come and actually be the Messiah, actually be the Savior of the world. All of these things, Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. And this is Isaiah. He is the prophet. He is proclaiming this is what comes with salvation. Salvation isn't just your one-way ticket to heaven. Salvation is your provision here on earth. Salvation isn't just your one-way ticket to heaven and healing in a new body one day. It's your healing now in your current body right now. Healing isn't just perfect peace with the king of peace in a one day far off reality after we go into the dirt for a little bit and we rise up out of the ground. No, no, no. Peace is for today. Worry and anxiety has to go because the nails in his hands and the things in his feet and everything that he had and the rows that were put around his head. You and I, we have healing. We have salvation. We have peace. We have provision. All these things were made 
give us life and life to the full, life and life more abundantly. So why do I bring this up? Because you know what? I feel like as Christians, there's some things that we're marveled about and it's not the cross of Jesus. I feel like there's some things that we get marveled about, that we get frazzled about, that we get awestruck about, that we get blown away about, that we get blown away over. And it's not always the cross of Jesus. There is nothing else on this earth that deserves our entertaining thoughts, that deserves our mind, that deserves a, pay, a place and a space within our head, between our ears and in our heart and in our souls, like who Jesus Christ is on the cross. There's not a single thing. But for you and I, I find us, man, how many of us, we're getting caught up in reports? We get caught up on Fox News and CNN. We're marveled by what's going on in our country on a weekly basis. We are awestruck by politicians trying to sell us something. We are blown away by natural disaster and lives being taken. We are awestruck by these things. And it causes us to get down on our knees, and it causes us to get inside our prayer closets, and it causes us to take some time and remove ourselves from what's going on in our, in our personal lives and in, in our world and the chaos that surrounds it. We, we draw back in those moments because we're blown away by it. And we should be. It's very real out here. Today, my heart absolutely broke when I saw that small island off of Asia, Sri Lanka. There's bombings in churches that our brothers and our sisters, the body and the bride of Christ who he went through, he went through hell on the cross for. So many of them had their lives taken from them and so many more left, left injured and beaten and broken. And so many more families and loved ones who will never see that person again until the afterlife in heaven. That broke my heart. But while we get awestruck, and while we get blown away, and while it's confusing and it's hard to grasp, and there's these things in our world that don't make sense, that we just cannot get around, we have to understand, friends, that we have a greater reality in which we live from, that politicians and what's going on, we don't have to worry about that because there is no name above the name of Jesus, and there is no kingdom above the kingdom of heaven, that everything is still firmly seated underneath the foot of Christ. That means natural disasters, winds, and the wind and the rain and the hail and the snow and these things, they still know his name. The things that happen in countries that we can't begin to fathom, our prayer, our words, our faith, they are still life and death and we can still bring hope to a dying and hopeless world. We can still speak life into a dying situation. We can still believe our God to work something out in the middle of that storm to bring beauty from ashes and it's because he went to the cross that we get to do that. I want to encourage this church tonight that we're not going to be a church that is shook, that is marveled by anything less than what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because there is nothing. It all falls short. Any confusion in our lives, it falls and it pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ did on the cross where the God of the universe, the creators of heaven and earth, interjected and invaded and put himself in the middle of human history. He took the interception pass of our sin and he laid it upon his son, Jesus, so that you and I, so the people in this world that are scared, that are full of fear, that are full of worry and anxiety, the people who are, have shame and guilt, who have mistakes on their lives, the people who have nowhere to go with it, 
so that you and I can intervene on their behalf and introduce them to a God who has already taken the weight off their shoulders. They just need to have that relationship with them. This is who our God is. But I find for us as Christians, we get way more consumed with what the devil is trying to steal from us than what our God has already won for us. It's easy in this world because of the times that we live in right now to be awestruck and turned around and blown away by things that the devil has tried to take from us. But the reality is that the only thing that's worth entertaining and getting excited about and the only thing that's worth having our full undivided attention is that Jesus Christ has already gone to the cross, that God has won our salvation and what it comes with, with our healing, with our peace, with our passion, with all of our gifts and talents, all of these things were made valid, were made whole, were made right, were made perfect, were redeemed on the cross of Jesus, and now you and I are free in this world and in the next to go and be the light and love of Jesus Christ wherever we go through, whatever we do, by any means necessary. This is who our God is. This is what Easter is all about. So if you're a Peter in this place, if you're a disciple in this place, if you're somebody tonight that you didn't know there was a God who put his Jesus on a cross for you, I want to tell you tonight that your best days are still ahead of you that you can still be marvelous, that you can still run home no matter the mistakes that you have made. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Come on. This is who our God is. As we get ready to close in just a moment, worship team, you can begin to make your way back up here. We're going to put Galatians 6.14 in the ESV version. We're going to put that up on the, on the Bible up there. See the Apostle Paul, one of the one of the founding apostles of the early church. He made it what it is. We build everything on him. He's amazing. He wrote most of the New Testament. Paul, much like Peter, had a past. Paul, much like Peter, has made more than his fair, of mis- uh, fair share of mistakes. He has done heinous things, unspeakable things. In the name of law, in the name of religion, he has done terrible things and he has taken lives all for pursuing Jesus. But one day, Paul, he had a radical encounter with Jesus. He had that moment of salvation come into his heart, into his home. He had that moment where he encountered God and he realized there was more than what he had seen before. There's a greater life and a greater truth at which he can live from and for. And so Paul, he's writing to this church in Galatians and and it's funny, he's talking about circumcision, which is weird. Just read it, it's there, it'll make sense. But he's talking about it, and he's using an example because this church, they have a problem. They're, they're boasting. They're boasting in their attendance. They're boasting in their works. They're boasting in how great they're doing outside their walls. They're boasting in the lies of this. And it's funny because in the day and the age, Boasting was something that we all did. And Paul is making it really clear right here that that boasting, every human, every being, every person underneath the sun that is and was and will come and still be born will boast in something. We all boast in something. Because boasting just means this is where we get our validation from. This is what establishes our worth. I am this, so I have worth. I've been here, so I have worth. I've seen this. I've done this. I've done it again, and I've been back to tell the story, and I even got something from the souvenir. 
I've done this and I've seen this, so this gives me validation. This gives me worth. This gives me a platform and a reason to be able to speak in and through your lives. It gives me reason and, and validity to speak on this particular subject or this particular matter that's happening in the world. I get to boast in myself. I get to boast in where I've been. I get to boast in what I've done. I get to boast in my time, my gifts, and my talents. And the Apostle Paul, he's saying to this church, we all boast. It was a military thing back then in the Romans. and They would boast about where they had been. They would boast about what they had conquered. And for this church, they were boasting about that they still do circumcision, that they're still holier than the, the people who are the followers of the way. They're still better off than Christians and Jesus' followers. And Paul, he says this. He says in Galatians 6.14, he says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I love the NLT. We don't have it on the big screen, but I had to throw it in there last minute. He says this in the NLT translation. He says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of that that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. And I love that because Paul is saying, man, if it's not the cross of Jesus, it's not worth entertaining. If it's not the cross of Jesus, it's not worth getting loud about. If it's the cross of Jesus, it's not worth being bothered by. If it's not the cross of Jesus, if it's not salvation, if it's not what God did at Calgary on Galgatha, if it's not what he did... On that hill, it is not worth getting loud about. And he's also saying them, these things that you're blown away by, these things that you've done, you think that gives you validation, that gives you worth, the notches in your belt, the dates that you've gone out on, the marriages that you've had, the amount of money that you've attained, the corporate ladder that you've gotten so far up in, whether you feel like it qualifies you or it disqualifies you. Because friends, a lot of us, we don't even boast in our accomplishments. A lot of us, we boast in our pain and our shame and our guilt. Oh, I'm just this, so this is my life. I've done too much wrong. I can't expect good things. Oh, that's just karma coming back around because I put too much negative energy out into the universe. I kind of deserve not to get that promotion. In fact, I deserve to get fired. A lot of us, we boast in not even, not even the good things in our lives or what we actually have accomplished. We find confidence in our pain. And Paul is putting it down right here. He is saying, for the church... Our interest in the world, it has been crucified. The things that we want to entertain in this world, the conversations we want to have, the conversations that the devil tries to get us to engage in, no, 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 we have been crucified from that. And Paul takes it a step further. He says, and the world's interest in us has been crucified. The devil wants to see us dead, but the world ain't worried about us other than what we're trying to do in, the, in our cities and in our world. But they're not worried about our faith. Yeah, let them have their faith. Just don't let them intervene on this. Don't let them talk about this. Don't let them engage in politics and engage in social justice and all these other things. No, no, no. Christians, you're cool to meet up in your churches, but just don't be involved in our conversations. No, no, no. Paul is saying, no, no, no. They don't get to make that decision because you were a Christian. 
And you don't get to make that decision to go back to it because you are a Christian. You don't get to entertain those conversations because you are a Christian. And that devil has no right to get in between your ears to convince you that you are something other than what God has said you are. And what he says you are is worthy of it because he put his son on a cross for you. I appreciate anybody tonight. Would you guys stand up? We're going to get ready to go into a moment of worship. Marveled. It's Easter 2018, and I don't know where everybody's at in this place. 2019. My bad. I don't know where I'm at in this place. But it's Easter 2019, and I don't know what your life has looked like. I don't know what the trajectory of it has been. I don't know what experiences you may have had. I don't know what has been taken from you or forced upon you. I don't know what your life and your story looks like right now. But I do know that in two, at 2,000 plus years ago, our God saw it fit to intervene on our behalf and to rewrite history and to interject himself into our mess and into our lineage and into our families and into our generations and generations to come. And he came in and he intervened, he intervened and he invaded on our behalf and he changed everything 2,000 plus years ago. So I don't know where you're at tonight, but I do know that you're human in this place. And so I know that at some point in your life, you've done something you're not proud of. I know that you've had your heart broken, whether it was by a person or a situation or a circumstance. Maybe it's by the church. I don't know. But I do know every single person in this place has felt some sort of breaking, has felt some sort of hurts, has experienced some sort of hardship. And friends, I gotta tell you tonight that a life of following Jesus, much like it did for Peter and much like it was for Paul, is not exempt from mistakes and it is not exempt from hard times and hard moments. But what it is exempt from is shame and guilt. What it is exempt from is condemnation. What it is exempt from is having to ever go through this alone. What it is exempt from is the fear of hell. With every head bowed and eye closed in this place, just, just for a moment, ask you if you were if you were marveled if you were astonished if you were awestruck if you are completely just blown away that the God of the universe chose to intervene on your behalf 
before you even made a mistake, before you even sinned, before you even had the opportunity to make that decision for yourself, that he went to the cross 2,000 plus years ago so that he could have a relationship with you. He is the God that leaves the 99 to run after the one. If you think that his goal was simply to reconcile the world and not you, you are mistaken. He was running after you. So when you're in here tonight, before we go into this next song, I just want to ask you, where are you at with this God? Where are you at with Jesus? Where are you at with the Holy Spirit? This isn't just reserved for Easter. This is something that we do weekly. Because we believe that we can actually have a relationship with the creator of the universe and that he can actually walk hand in hand with us through our messes and through our pain. And he doesn't just endure our mistakes. He doesn't just endure our messes and our pain. No, no, no. He walks with us hand in hand and he provides a path to victory through it every single time. That's who our Jesus is. That's who our God is. And that's what he wants to be to you. So if you're in this place and you would say that you don't know that Jesus yet, or maybe at one point in time you think that you may have, but somewhere along the way that relationship just became less and less strong as you went on. If you're on here tonight and they would say that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to correct that, to take him back up on his promise because he is still faithful to you. He has never left you. He has never forsaken you. He has never forgotten your name even if you've left that relationship with him and if you've never had that relationship with him right now, he is calling your name. So if that's you, there's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging. This is a moment between you and your God. Would you just shoot your hand up just high enough and long enough and say, yeah, I want that relationship with Jesus. Whether it's for the first time or the most recent time, you want to begin that. Yeah, I see that hand back there. That's amazing. I see that hand too. Is there anybody else in this place? You want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life from this moment forward. Yeah, I see that hand. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. All right, you can put your hands back down. What I want to have us do is this. That is one church family. We're going to introduce you to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit right now. And you're going to begin that relationship with him. Our Bible says that he who confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart, that he shall be saved. So right now, that's what we're going to do. I want to invite you, every single person in this place right now, and especially those three, those three gentlemen, those three, especially that young man who lifted his hand right now. Would you just begin to repeat these words after me, but make them your own on the inside of you and declare right now that you are picking up this relationship and you are chasing after Jesus with everything that you have. Say, Jesus, I thank you for what this day means. For what this moment represents. That 2,000 years ago, you went to the cross for this moment. For me to come home. For me to have a relationship with you, Jesus. From this moment going forward, my life is yours. My hope is in you only. This world is crucified to me.
and I am crucified to this world that from this moment you and I were in relationship together I trust you with my life I trust you with my past I trust you with my future in Jesus mighty name a faith filled church says amen would you make some noise yeah that is the single best decision that you could ever make in your life.